0: We are moving steadily along in our project to gain mitzvah literacy. We are up to mitzvah 21. This is going to be the final mitzvah that relates to Passover, relates to the Exodus. Uh, we talked about uh, the mitzvah of the carbon Pesach, the pastoral offering. We spoke about eating matzah, refraining from chametz. And finally, there is the last mitzvah, mitzvah 21, which is the mitzvah to tell over To relate the story of the Exodus, every Pesach, on the eve of Pesach, the 15th of Nisan, every person together with every family should praise the Almighty, should thank the Almighty for all the miracles that he did to our nation, to our forefathers at the Exodus when we left Egypt. And this is a mitzvah, as it says in the Torah, you should tell your son at that day. In fact, there's four distinct verses that talk about the communication that should be conveyed from father to son, from parent to child, referencing the four kinds of children. There's the wise son, there's the wicked son, uh, the one who doesn't know what to ask, and there is the innocent, the tam, and because it's so important to fulfill this mitzvah, and this mitzvah is dependent upon the nature and the character and the age and the sophistication of, this, of the child or the recipient, therefore we're told four different times and four different styles of how we're supposed to convey this important message. And of course, today, or nowadays, we have the Seder and the Haggadah, and that is modeled after fulfilling this mitzvah, that at the time that we're eating matzah, and the time that we have the maror on the time that really we should be celebrating the Paschal Offering, we fulfill this mitzvah on that day to tell over the story of the Exodus. And again, we see, and we'll get more into this in a little bit, that this episode, this founding episode of our nation is so significant, so critical, so important, that there are so many mitzvahs that are going to be related to it. To to just ruminate on the tremendous miracle, one nation that was drawn out of another nation, they might have took us out and avenged the the, the the horrific mistreatment that we were subject to. And therefore we have to tell over the story. And if you have children, you tell it to your children. If you don't have children, you tell it to your spouse. If you don't have a spouse, you tell it to whomever's with you. If you're alone, you tell it to yourself. In order to awaken these feelings in your heart so that you should have that appreciation and that love and that touch point with the Exodus every year. Uh, The Rambam, in his laws of chametz and matzah, which are all the laws related to Pesach, he gives us a little survey of this mitzvah. He says, even if someone is a great sage... There's a mitzvah for them to convey the story, the, the episode to tell the story of the exodus. And the person who elongates the telling of the story, all the miracles, going through all the details, the more you talk about it, the more you embellish the story, the better. Of course, the Haggadah begins with the episode of the five sages, five of the greatest sages that our nation has known. They are coalesced in the city of Bene Brak, and they're telling over the story from the night until the day, they don't even realize they've gone through the whole night and it's time to say the Shema and they're just so engrossed in their story. And that, of course, conveys this principle. People that are the greatest sages of their time, amongst them is Rabbi Tarfo, Rabbi Akiva, great titans of their era, great sages who definitely knew this information, still they engaged in the retelling of this episode to each other. And the Rambam explains... How you're supposed to go about doing this, everything has to be tailored around the maturity, the intellect, the capabilities of the child. So he says, if the child is young or the child is not the most not so intelligent, you tell him simply, all of us were slaves in Egypt, just like this maidservant or like this slave we we were totally subjugated in Egypt, and on this night, the Almighty redeemed us and brought us to freedom. That's the most basic message you're trying to convey. And you could use tools. You could use, you could point out and say, okay, like try to make the message more alive, more vivid by saying, hey, look, you see this person, they're a slave. Or you see, learn about slaves, God forbid, people that were totally subjugated. That's the way we were. And then we became like kings overnight. That's the basic message. Child's a little smarter. You talk about all the miracles and all the details and the ten plates and all that. Uh, to be able to maximize his uh, whatever he is able to absorb. And then he tells us, something that we know quite well, that we have to do something different on that night. We have to try to evoke a question. We have to get the kids interested and excited (sighs) because we cannot allow this opportunity to pass by. And therefore, we have the Manashtana, which are the four things that are done so unusually this night, so out of character this night, and all that is there to inspire that the child should ask a question and should be interested and should have their interests piqued. And the Rum adds is that we give out treats like nuts and all those other things, and uh, we uh, arrange the meal in an unusual way, and we steal the matzah from each other, the Afikoman ritual and uh, tradition, all these things are just there to inspire the child or the people who are present to be able to ask the question, what is special about this night? And to open up the, the, the discussion for the mitzvah of telling over the Exodus story. Now, the format of the retelling has to follow a certain template. Talmud tells us you have to start with what the shameful parts, and you have to end up with the positive side. Meaning you can't talk about the Exodus and then talk about the slavery. It has to be vice versa. This is like a trope that we see in all good stories. That it, you have to have the climax has come at the end. The salvation, the hero rescuing the damsel in distress or whatever, it has to be at the end. There has to be a point in time where you're like, oh no, what's gonna be. The, the the hero is in danger. He's threatened. He or she is threatened. Uh, there are there, there's a problem. There's the ticking bomb. And then oh, okay, last second when the tension was at its peak, the tension is resolved. The Talmud talks about that two thousand years ago that you have to follow a certain format. Maschil You start with the negative parts. You start with the shame. You start with the uh, the the distress, and you end with the praise how so you start you start off with the very earliest parts of our history not even with abraham before abraham abraham's father terach he was an idolater that's like the most shameful origin of the story and then you all end. you end up okay well where are we now now the almighty saved us from egypt not only we're not idolaters anymore but the Almighty actually extracted us from amidst another nation and took us for himself as his nation. We're the chosen nation, so to speak, by God. We've had that tremendous turnaround at the Exodus. That's kind of the big, big, big picture. But even within Egypt, we start with Avadim our, Ha'inu. Our, our, we were slaves and the Almighty saved us. The Ramah also reminds us, that there are three things that are necessary for us to fulfill the mitzvah. There's three things that we have to say on this night that we have to invoke on this night that we cannot skip over. If we do that, we have not fulfilled the mitzvah. What are that? Pesach, Matzah, and Maror. Pesach is a reference till the mighty jumping over the homes of our fa- forefathers passing over pass over passing over the homes of our forefathers he struck all the egyptians but spared the jews and the marar the bitter herbs a reference to the pain of the enslavement to egypt and the matzah is a reference to the exodus that was done so quickly that even the dough had no time to rise and the drama continues By talking about the modality that we're supposed to uh, adopt that night, it's a time of freedom, it's a time of royalty, we're supposed to lean and drink wine and behave like teens to accentuate the fact that we became free, we have to try to recognize that we became free people. In fact, the Talmud goes as far as to say a person has to either see themselves or show themselves, depends upon the text, but they have to exhibit the fact that they themselves were freed from Egypt. The story has to penetrate so deeply that they themselves feel like they're going through what our forefathers and ancestors went through when we became free from Egypt. And therefore, if they get so into the story and make it so vivid and real and palpable and tangible that we feel like we ourselves were saved from Egypt and therefore we do all these things to try to relive it, reenact it and hammer home this message of the evening, we're free now, we were slaves in Egypt. Now I think as we conclude our study of the various myths related to Pesach and the Exodus, um, an obvious question can be posed and we've We've talked about it a little bit, but I want to study a seminal essay written by the Ramban on the question of why are there so many mitzvos related to the Exodus, so many positive mitzvot, so many negative mitzvos, uh, very, uh, some of them are with very harsh penalties if they're not fulfilled properly. So the question is, why are there so many mitzvos related to Pesach? What does it tell us about Pesach and the Exodus, and what does it tell us about mitzvos in general? So the Ramban, Nachmanides, in his commentary, the very last comment in the Parshas Bo, Bo is the third section of the Book of Exodus. It's right in the middle of the Exodus story. He has a, a tremendous essay where he talks about mitzvot in general and, ha, and how the Exodus plays such an important part in forming uh, our worldview as a nation. So I want to go through this piece. Va'ata omer l'cha Gold But Tam Says the and now I will tell you a general principle in the reasons for many mitzvos. Why? Because since the times of Enosh, the grandson of, of Adam, people started having theological missteps. People started to abandon faith. Some people would abandon faith entirely. They would say the world's been around forever. There is no creator. That's the most extreme case. Others say, well, the Almighty does exist, but he doesn't know what's happening. Or he knows what's happening, but he's not involved in our lives. We're like fish in the ocean, that the Almighty is not overseeing, tending to involved. And therefore, by extension, there's no reward and punishment, because reward and punishment can only exist in a world and a worldview in which God cares and oversees what we do, and therefore our actions have consequences. So again, he's detailing that there's different levels of heresy. And when the Almighty is desirous of a nation or of a group or of an individual, and the Almighty does a miracle where he alters the nature of the world, well, at that time, when there's a miracle, when there's ever-present, when there's, when, when there's, a, when there's a present miracle, It's an undeniable miracle, well, that right away nullifies all forms of heresy. Why? Because if there's a miracle that upends the rules of nature, that shows that the world has a creator who knows what's happening and oversees what's happening and is capable of intervening. Nature is subject to God, not vice versa. And all the more so, when the miracle is previously forecasted By a prophet, that proves another critical component of faith, and that is that the Almighty communicates to humanity via prophets. And once you have this miracle that's forecasted ahead of time by the prophet, then you have all the elements of faith needed for the Jewish beliefs to be be incontrovertible. So what he's telling us here is that miracles, they ensconce faith in the hearts of those who perceive them. And then he goes through. Well, okay, so what happened at the Exodus? All kinds of miracles. You have all these plates that Moshe tells us ahead of time. You have the splitting of the sea. You have the manifolding later on. You have the episode of the revelation at Sinai. Everything happened ahead of time with Moshe's predictions of that. What does that show? That shows that the Almighty is overseeing everything. And the Almighty created the world. And the Almighty has capabilities. And the Almighty knows what's happening. All the miracles are there to contribute to build the structure of, of Jewish faith. However, there's a problem. And the problem is, is that the Mighty doesn't do miracles in every generation. Or for every wicked person, you have those people who say, Listen, you know, if the mighty really, really exists, let him strike me down right over here. I'm here. I'm waiting. That's what people may say. But the might doesn't work like that. Doesn't dispense miracles on demand. The Almighty does not do miracles in every generation to the eyes of every wicked person or every heretic. So we have miracles, we have miracles that happened in the past, but we don't have miracles right now, or at least what he calls overt miracles. Therefore, the Almighty instructed us that we should always make a reminder, a remembrance to the miracles that our eyes saw. And we should trans- transmit these matters to our children and our children to their children and their children to the final generation. Meaning that the Exodus and all its concomitant miracles, that's really not just the founding event because now we're a nation distinct from the Egyptians, but that's actually building the faith profile of the Jewish people. It is creating the principles of faith in the minds of the Jewish people. And that's important because that's the foundation of the religion. But 2018, we don't have those same level of overt miracles. Well, how are we going to maintain the faith today? How are we going to not slip into the ways of heresy? That's why, says the Ramban, we have so many mitzvos that are there to kind of continue the flame and the inspiration and the lessons of the Exodus from the original generation in which it happened— Onwards to the end of time. It's not going to happen every generation, and therefore, the only way for us to ensure that our faith is uh, able to withstand the throes of heresy is if we perpetuate that amazing miracle or the, the amazing set of miracles to every generation. And therefore, the Torah is very stringent about not eating chametz for the duration of Pesach and not to abandon or to withhold from the pastoral offering. And therefore, the miracles are so important, we have to always put these signposts all across our life, these markers, these reminders to remind us. We put them on the door, and we put them in our tefillin, we wrap them next to our heart, and put them next to our head, and we have all the festivals that are a Zecher L'tis Mitzrayim, circus, and then six months later we have Pesach, and then Shavuos, and all the holidays. Zecher Mitzrayim, even Shabbos, we invoke the, the Zecher Letitia Mitzrayim as a remembrance for the Exodus from Egypt. And there's a mitzvah to not, as the verse tells us, that L'man you should remember the Exodus from Egypt all the days of your life. Never forget it. Tell over the story, perpetuate the story, not forget the miracles and not for, and not lose out on those important lessons related to our faith. And therefore, says the Ramban, there there's so many mitzvot that remind us of the Exodus. And in every generation, we could have testimony of this ongoing tradition and transmission of the miracles and they're never forgotten. And there's never going to be an opening for the heretic to question or to disprove the, the existence and the of the proper faith of the Almighty. You buy one mezuzah, says the Ramban. You buy one mezuzah, it costs you one gold coin. You put it on your door and you think about what it's implying. You're already admitting in the fact that the world exists because of God and the Almighty knows what's happening. The Almighty oversees everything and you are also testifying that you are believing in the principle of prophecy Essentially, says the Rabban, you're believing in every corner of Torah. And then the Rabban extends this principle. The Mishnah tells us that you should be careful with every minor mitzvah as you are a major mitzvah because all of them are beloved before God. Because in essence, every mitzvah that a person does, they are acknowledging the existence of their God and the intention behind every mitzvah is that we should believe in our creator and we should appreciate, we should thank him that he created us. That's why we exist. That's why the world was created because there's no other reason that we have for the phenomenon that the Almighty created the world and the God on high is only desirous on the people below. The only thing he wants is solely that we should know and we should acknowledge and we should appreciate our God, who created us. That's why we do all the mitzvahs. And all that gets its start at the Exodus. This is a very compelling essay here by the Ramban. He's telling us a few things. Generally, what's the point of of a mitzvah? The point is for, for us to connect us to God and to remind us of the existence of God. And we're put in a world where the Almighty is obscured, where it's possible to deny it. And the mitzvahs are like these signposts along the highway of life Making sure that we never forget the most important thing. That's uh, that's number one. It's like those those kids, God forbid, you know, who need to have like an insulin shot or something like that. They put like a sticker on their shirt when they first day they go to school. Like don't forget, like this is so important. And the parent calls in, calls up at ten o'clock. Did you do it? Did you do it? You know, it's, it's the most important thing. And therefore you have to have constant reminders. You cannot you cannot have any complacency. You cannot take the foot off the gas. The second you do that, right away you're going to be whisked into a world where that is forgotten. All that really stems from what we study, from what we learned at the Exodus, and therefore there's all these mitzvahs that are there to remind us of that fact, to remember those miracles, to remember the tremendous lessons of faith that were learned at the Exodus and that are perpetuated year after year, day after day, mitzvah after mitzvah.